Today's scripture reading is taken from Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which could not be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Close that door. Well, good morning again. I'd like to tur- you to turn to Psalm 125 if you have a Bible with you, which has been, already been read for us. It's in the bulletin. As we continue in this series on the journey of the Christian towards Mount Zion, towards the New Jerusalem, the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 through 134, are really a picture. These are Psalms that would be sung by the Israelites as they are going to worship God, but also a picture of the life in God as we experience it. As we journey towards the new heavens and the new earth, we see that God is with us every step of the way, and He also gives us sustaining graces through the difficult things that we experience. I want to talk this morning about the security that we have in God when we're feeling uh, far away from Him. We saw a little bit of this last week in Psalm 124, the Lord is on our side. The theme continues in Psalm 125 when we see that God surrounds His people. He gives us His security. So before we get to Psalm 125, let's go to the Lord and pray this morning. God, we know that you never leave us or forsake us, that you are always near. Your word says you're not far from any one of us. Your word says that you are near to the brokenhearted. Your word says that the broken branch, the bent branch, you will not break off. The smoldering flax, you will not put out that you are near to us in our weakness, in our questioning, in our wandering, in our doubts, that you hold us secure in yourself rather than in our own experience of faith. So I pray that you would give us that strong sense of your security this morning, and I ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. So a number of years ago, um, I was with one of my sons and took him up to northern Arizona to the uh, Mugion Rim up there to experience the mountains. We were going to go hiking. And uh, I told him that we were going to the mountains, that he was going to get to experience the mountains, and he was excited. And uh, even as we got close to the rim up there, we, we started going up in elevation. But as you're going up in elevation, of course, sometimes it's hard to tell that you are going up. Sometimes it just feels like it's a normal thing. And so he kept asking, when are we going to get to the mountain? And I said, well, we're already on the mountain. We're starting up the mountain already. Um, it's, you know, you can't really feel it, but we're actually going up. But soon we will get to the edge. We'll get to the rim and you'll be able to see how far up we are. 
And so we got to the top, we found a, a trailhead, and we looked down over the rim, and he could see how far down we were. And he could also see across uh, to the other side of the mountains. It was winter, there was snow on the mountains, and he looked at those mountains over there, and he said, I want to go to those mountains. I want to go to a mountain like that. And I remember telling him, buddy, we are already on a mountain like that. <laughs> Even though you can't experience it, we're already there. So in other words, if you were on the other side, you'd be looking at this mountain and you'd be seeing the same snow-capped, you know, there was snow around us. You would be seeing what we're seeing now, but from the other side. He couldn't experience it. Even though it was true that he was on the mountain, he couldn't experience it as a mountain. He didn't feel like he was on a mountain, but that didn't change the fact that he was on a mountain. As we talk about Christian security today, the feeling, the knowledge that, that God loves us, that He cares for us, that He is on our side, that, that we are His sheep, that we're a part of His pasture, held in His hand, secure until the end, that's the kind of security that we want. We need to realize that sometimes we are standing on the mountain of security, but we don't feel it or experience it. It doesn't change the fact that it is true. What we want, and there's nothing wrong with wanting this, is for our feelings and experience of security to match with our actual security. And that is a beautiful thing to hope for, to pray for, to feel that God loves me, cares for me, has saved me. To feel that security is a great longing, and it's something that the Lord often gives us, to feel that security. But you need to know that it's not true that just because we feel secure that we are secure, nor is it the fact that if we don't feel secure, that we're not secure. Security is not something that is based in our feelings or our experience. And we have this testimony from the psalmist in Psalm 125 about the, that, that kind of security. But you need to know from the beginning that the psalms are not formulas. They are they're testimonies. So sometimes we want a formula from the Scriptures. And we say, if I just do this, this, and this, then it'll give me this output. But oftentimes the psalms give us an experience or a testimony of what has been true. And when we sing them and when we talk about them, we're asking God for that to be true for us. So if you ever have the experience of reading a psalm and you say, well, that's not, I don't know if I'm, you know, overjoyed, as overjoyed as the psalmist. I don't know if I'm, on the other side, as, as down in despair, you know, feeling like God's far away from me. Some of the psalms say, maybe I'm not feeling that today. In the same way that we when we have a birthday party or we have a, an anniversary, we might say something to our spouse or say something to someone that we love that is true, but it's not as though we feel those things all the time, but they're still true, and we say them. So the Psalms give us a picture of that security so that we can pray for it and ask for it and experience it as it comes, but it gives us the facts of our security not just the feelings of that security. Here's what I want us to see today. Divine security often must be believed before it is felt. Divine security often must be believed before it is felt. Not always, 
not exclusively. Sometimes they go hand in hand. But if we don't have the experience or the feeling of God's love and care for us, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love and care for us. And so we need to believe it. This is a psalm of trusting and believing. Look at verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Those who trust in the Lord are like the mountain which cannot be moved but abides forever. If you trust in the Lord, if you believe in Him, then you are like Mount Zion. Whether you feel like Mount Zion or not is another question and an important one. But the, what I want to see today is that divine security is not based on our feelings. It's based on what God, who God is and what He has done. Three things I want us to see as we march through this psalm. The picture of security. It's going to give us a picture that we need to trust in. The picture of security. Secondly, the promise of security. And thirdly, the prayer of security. Each in this psalm, first, the picture of security. In the first two verses, he gives us this picture. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people. Beautiful. From this time forth and forevermore. The picture of security is a mountain surrounded by mountains. That's the picture. He says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. That's one mountain, the highest point in Israel. And as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people. Mountains surrounded by mountains. And just like mountains cannot be moved, so we are pictured here even more so, the security of the believer cannot be moved. It abides forever, from this time forth and forevermore. The visual that we have here, of course, is of Jerusalem itself, the city. Jerusalem had a temple mount. That's what we're marching towards. This is Mount Zion. The highest point in Jerusalem is where the temple was built. And they would go up to Mount Zion to worship God. This is the highest point. Surrounding the mountains, surrounding the city of Jerusalem, there are also mountains. And if you look at Jerusalem on a map, you will see that it is a very strategic and fortified location. Right at the gateway between three continents, Israel exists between Africa, Asia, and, and Europe. Did I get that right? Yeah. Um, those three continents surround Jerusalem, and you can see on a map how important Jerusalem would be to, to those different gateways and to the different continents that we have. And so this city is an important location. You can see why the Lord chose it as His, as his dwelling place. As people came in through Jerusalem to get to other places, this becomes the center of the world. And it's a fortified place. What he's doing, the psalmist, is looking around his surroundings and seeing the most secure things he can find, and then using those as a picture of God's security. When I look at the mountains that surround Jerusalem, when I look at how fortified and how enduring the mount of God is, 
I can begin to see something of what God is like for me that He has made me secure and even more secure because Jerusalem did not always last. It has been sacked. It has been overrun. It has been captured many times in history. But to the extent that it is a picture of security, even more so, God has surrounded me. He has protected me. He has secured me. And not just now, forever, from this time forth and forever. How do we believe the picture that God gives us of security? How is it that, that somebody could have the testimony where they say, I am like Mount Zion, as immovable as a mountain, so is my faith immovable? What if we don't have that kind of security? The way that we have that is through belief, through trust. That's what he says. Those who trust in the Lord are like this. The, the word for trust there is the same word as belief or faith in the Scriptures. This is the way that we come into a relationship with God. We believe in Him. We have faith in Him. And that faith is something that is itself a gift from Him. He gives us the faith to trust in Him. But faith is something that, that we have when we don't have all of the answers. That's what belief is. It's not as though we add up all the things and if it makes sense, then we trust in Him. No, trust involves a, a stepping out in faith. And so the encouragement here is for us to, to, to have faith just like we look around and see the mountains that surround us, so God surrounds His people. And that's something that we believe even when we don't necessarily experience or feel it. This is an example where you need to believe something perhaps before you experience it. Whether you know it or not, this is what faith is. It puts us on firm ground. It gives us that mountain of security. And as the Scriptures unfold and tells us how we have, what we should trust in and how we should have faith, it tells us that that faith should be in Jesus Christ, who is the solid rock. He is the grounding of our faith. And He is also the mountain of God. As you see in the Scriptures, Jesus said, this temple, this, this temple mount, this, this place of worship on top of the mountain will be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. And he was talking about the temple of his body. He's saying, in me, the mountain of God will die, will be destroyed, and then will be raised from the dead. And so we have faith in Jesus Christ. We put our faith in him. We die. We also are raised from the dead. And we are secure forever. We're actually held in his hand. John chapter 10 says, My sheep hear my voice. This is Jesus talking. And I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand because they are in me. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. They can't be moved from the hand of Christ. Feelings will come and go, and they're important. No one is saying that you shouldn't desire, seek out, or try to understand your experience of God. But when you trust in Christ, the Bible says you are the mountain. You are on the solid rock 
On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground we sing. All other sources of security is sinking sand, including the grounding of my own experience and feelings. The picture matters. The picture matters. How we picture our faith matters. I wonder if we actually think about, when we think about our faith, do we think, I am on a mountain surrounded by mountains? Is that, is that kind of the picture that we have? Or do we get a different picture for our faith? You know, I think some people probably picture their faith more like a balance beam. That what we're standing on is actually a teetering edge. And we want to make sure that we don't make a false step. We want to make sure that we don't think or say or do something so that God will reject us. And we have this picture of God like He has placed us in faith in a precarious position. And that He's, he's waiting to see if we can can walk the walk of faith. One stumbling move, one action, one thought, one thing will cause God to be done with me. You've got to see that's not the way that God talks about those who trust in Him. He talks about them as mountains. He talks about them as children held in his hand, as sheep that are part of his flock that he will not lose. What is your picture of your security? If your picture has something to do with your strength, your ability, your, will, your willingness to stay on a path, it is not the picture of security that the Scriptures give. Your strength will always lead to a feeling of insecurity. But Psalm 125 is about what God has done. The Lord surrounds His people like mountains surround Jerusalem. It's what He has done to secure you, not what you have done to make sure that you are secure. We have the picture of security. Then the psalm moves to the promise of security. There's a promise in verse 3. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hand, hands to do wrong. The scepter of wickedness is the reign of evil in the world. And it's not saying that evil will not reign for a time. There will be, there have been, and there will be scepters of wickedness. And Israel's story at times... They were ruled by bad kings, kings who did not follow after God. They, they went into exile, and God used Babylon and Assyria to take them away, and they had to live in a place where there wasn't righteousness. He's not saying the scepter of wickedness doesn't exist. He's saying it shall not rest on the land forever. Literally, the word there is remain. Probably a better translation. The scepter will not remain. It's saying it will be part of the story, but it's not going to be the ultimate reality. It's not going to be the case that wickedness will win, in other words. It, it may exist, but it's not going to be the winner. It's not going to rest or remain in the land. Lest, it says, the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. What is that talking about? Somewhat hard to understand. 
But I think what the psalmist is saying here is this. If, if wickedness lasts too long in the land, there's going to be a temptation for the righteous to take matters into their own hands, to try to make God's promises true. If the scepter of wickedness stays too long in our own minds, perhaps the righteous will want to take initiative to make God's kingdom come on their own terms. But he's saying, that's not your security. I'm not asking you to do anything other than to be faithful in the land that God has, has called you to live in. That's, faithfulness, of course, matters, but that's not our security. Our security is that God will not let the scepter of wickedness win. To experience that security, you need to believe the promise. If you find yourself in a land where the scepter of wickedness is reigning, don't believe that I have abandoned it. Because it won't remain. I've committed myself, the Lord says, to this unfolding story. And there will be, and there already is, in a significant sense, a righteous king, the son of David, who sits on the throne, who will bring about justice and righteousness forever. And there will be an age eternally of God's reign and no wickedness. And we're called to trust, not in our feeling of how well things are going in the world, but in the promise of God that it will be good. It will not remain. There's the picture of security. There's a promise of future security. How do we believe that security of God even when we don't feel it? Well, we need to picture it. We need to believe the promise. And third and finally, we need to pray for it. We need to pray for it. The prayer of security, the last couple of verses here, you'll notice the tone shift in verse 4. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts, but those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. You notice how in verse 4 it turns into a prayer, directing the Lord to do something. And sometimes I think we're tempted to look at what the Scriptures say about the power and the providence of God. We've already talked about it. The Lord makes those who are righteous like mountains. It's done. We're secure. The Lord's going to do what He's going to do. He's going to allow the scepter of wickedness to reign until He wants, and then He's going to overthrow the scepter and He's going to reign forever. That's His prerogative. And there's a feeling that if security is all about what God is doing and has done, then why should we pray? If God is going to bless me, if He's going to do what He wants to do, if He's going to secure the righteous, then why pray? That's a question that many of us have not just from this passage, but all over the Scripture. Why do we pray when we trust in who God is? Well, and the Scripture gives several answers to that. Number one, because God tells us to. That's not a bad place to start, actually. He also tells us that, that prayer is a means by which God does what He wants to do. So He actually uses the prayers of His people, and there's a divine mystery there of Him actually responding to us when we pray to Him. But what I want to focus on in this passage is that we pray because prayer is where security becomes real and experienced. We can look at what God is doing in the world and know 
that even though we don't feel like we're on the mountain, we are on the mountain of his security and can know that even though he's, we're experiencing the scepter of wickedness, that he will remove it in time. We can believe and know those things, but we still pray, do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in their hearts. And we pray actually for two things in verse 4 and 5. We're really praying for God to bless me and keep me. As we often say in our benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you. That's what we're asking for him to do, to give us the experience of security. Bless me, verse 4, do good to those who are good. I know the scepter of wickedness will reign for a time, but I would like to see some of your promises and blessings now. That's a faithful way to pray. It fits so beautifully in the way that Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We trust your timing that there will be heaven and earth be the same, but we want some of what is in heaven now. We want the goodness of God to be in our land. We want to feel like you are for us. There's nothing wrong with praying for God to do good to you and to give you that security. Pray, bless me, but also pray, keep me. Those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with the evildoers. You pray, help me not to turn aside, because that is possible. It's possible, of course, when we believe that there is a journey from where we are to the new Jerusalem, the journey from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, the journey from Genesis to Revelation, the, the, the promise there that, that we're on a journey, that there is a path toward God, means, of course, that there's a path away from God. And if we turn aside, which we can do, and God allows us to do, we can say, I no longer trust the Lord. I no longer believe in His security. I no longer want what He is offering. Or as Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. You don't want to live, friends, in a world where God himself does not surround you as his people, as the mountains surround Jerusalem. You don't want to live outside of his security, exposed, not knowing for what purpose you were made, for what end you are going. A world without God is a world without security. It's a world of directionless activity. It's a world of existential overwhelm. What does it mean? And our experience and our belief will then be insecurity. Our security comes not from our own obedience or our own feelings of security. It comes from the Lord. And so we can pray to him, do what you say you're going to do. And keep me on the path towards your blessing and purposes. That's a prayer that he loves to answer. It's why he ends in, in peace, peace be upon Israel. Shalom, all Yisrael. This peace. 
Shalom. Relax. Chill, Israel. Be at peace. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make a request known to God, as Paul teaches us. Be at peace and pray. God has secured you, but He also loves to hear from you. Our security doesn't rest in even our ability to pray, but it rests in what God has done in the security that He provides for us. I read a story recently about Mr. Rogers. Maybe I've shared this before. I can't remember. Fred Rogers, you know, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. No one made kids feel more secure than Mr. Rogers. And that's true of me, too. I remember watching him on the screen when he said, I like you just the way you are. I felt good. I felt secure. And he was a picture of compassion and kindness and security. And by all accounts, that was his life, not just his television persona. He made others feel safe. That I read recently a story about how he himself did not feel secure. When he was on his deathbed, he's dying of stomach cancer. One of the last things that he said to his wife is he asked his, uh, her a question. He said, am I a sheep? Am I a sheep? Mr. Rogers was an ordained minister of the gospel. And he wondered, he looked at his life and he wondered, am I a sheep? Referring to John 10, what we read earlier, the sheep are secure in the shepherd's hand. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Referring perhaps to Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story of the end where the paths divide and there are sheep and there are goats. Am I a sheep? You are probably not more kind and compassionate than Mr. Rogers. I'm just telling you, probably not. I know that I am not. But what he revealed in that question is that our, his security he knew could not rest on his own performance. It couldn't rest on the fact of even being an icon of kindness and compassion, of making other people feel safe. And neither could it be based on his own feelings. It had to be based on something else. Am I a sheep? It's a real question. It's a good question. It's a question that those of us who, who even have experienced the closeness of God and even do love and trust in Him want answered from time to time. We want to feel secure. How do we get that security? It is not based on what we are experiencing, but only on this question, are we trusting in the Lord? Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. They are secure and surrounded by the mountains of God. In Jesus Christ, we're told exactly what we should be standing on. It is not our own feelings and our own obedience, our own reputation, our own anything, our own strength at all. We place ourselves on the solid rock of Christ who is, embodies the mountain of God. And when we are in Him, united in His death 
and a death like his, resurrected with a resurrection like his, we are the mountain of God, his secure people who cannot be moved. And we do that by trusting in him, by having faith, not by getting everything together and then presenting him a life of obedience and trust, but actually by just saying, I am going to trust in Christ, believing in our hearts, confessing with our mouth that he is the Savior. And when we do that, even our feelings will come in and out of it. They're important, not to be ignored. But what we trust in is what God has done for us in making us the mountains of God. Let's pray. Father, we want the testimony of the psalmist to be our testimony. We don't know exactly what he was feeling, but we believe what he says. That as long as we are trusting in you, we are secure. So I pray, Father, that you would give us the faith even to trust in you. We wonder, do I even have faith? But I pray that we would know faith is not something that we can muster up. All it is is in this moment, resting on you, believing that what you have done is for us. So I pray that you would give us the faith to feel secure. Even as we come to the table this morning, we would taste and see what you have done for us in providing for us and making us fixed, not just now, but abiding forever in your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>